right. Well, uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Clobbering Time. Clobbering Time? I don't know if we've decided on the apostrophe yet. One of those two. My name is Tom Bryan. I am a professional writer, I guess. I write about music mostly for Stereogum.com and, uh, you know, culture stuff for a few different places. And one of the things I like writing about is professional wrestling. And I'm here with my friend, uh, Damien Abraham. And uh, if you are listening to this, you probably already know who he is. But go ahead and introduce yourself, Damien. Yeah, I'm Damien. And I'm uh, also a, I guess people know who I am, maybe. But if not, you know, maybe they're tuning in. Maybe they've just heard about this new wrestling podcast. They want to check it out. So anyway, I sing in a band called Fucked Up. And I host a podcast called Turned Out a Punk. Uh, strongly recommend if you're listening to this, the Robbie Brookside episode and the MVP episode. And, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I was a very closeted wrestling fan. Uh, we'll get into this later on, I'm sure until. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into our whole wrestling fandom history. Yeah. But yeah so... I do write about wrestling too. Uh, a couple, uh, you know, not nearly as storied as Tom's career in, in wrestling journalism, I should say, but, uh, I do have my own little modest career in wrestling and, uh, yeah, big fan, big fan. Well, so yeah, um, so we decided that, uh, you know, there are clearly not enough podcasts out in the world, and there are <laughs> especially in particular not enough wrestling podcasts, so we just saw an open lane. We're just going to cruise on in, and nobody's going to fuck with our shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's it's not like I've I've already been on a couple of these, and now I'm biting the hand that feeds. By, uh, but we're I think we're going to have a very different kind of feel to this podcast, because I think we're going to kind of try and take it from – you know, like obviously wrestling, we're wrestling fans, but I think, you know, Tom and I both come from like a really heavy music uh, world. Yeah. Yeah. Damien and I have been talking about doing this for a long time. And, years. Uh, yeah, literal years. And our, I guess our hook, if we have one, is that we are music dorks and also wrestling dorks mm-hmm. or wrestling dorks and also music dorks for the purposes of this year podcast. And, uh, and yeah, I guess we have a slightly different frame of cultural reference than a lot of the other people who do this thing. Yeah. Like, I think that's the thing is like you and I are, uh, you know, I think a lot of people obviously in, in the world of music love pro wrestling. And I think we're going to be, you know, the podcast that hopefully, uh, at least in the audio form helps to bridge those two worlds a little bit. Or, or at least give people in the music world a forum to talk about their love of wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, you know, we're going to, we're going to have fun doing it is I think the plan here. So should we get into talking? We were going to do an outline and we never did it. No, we didn't. Let's, uh, I guess let's start out by talking about, uh, how long we've been watching wrestling, our whole like wrestling history. Yeah. Should I go first? You want to go first or I'll go first? Well, I, uh, yeah. Why don't you go first? Cause, uh. You're the host. I'm just the car right. guy. Well, yeah, there we go. We, uh, um, neither one of us are really lifelong fans. Like, it was around when I was a kid, but my family didn't have cable or anything like that, and I was sort of dimly aware of it. Every time I got a chance to encounter it on TV, I was very impressed. I thought it was cool as shit. Uh, you know, the, the old Royal Rumble arcade game. Mm-hmm. I liked being Earthquake a lot. That was fun. But, uh, you know, I didn't really watch it habitually until the first time I ever had cable, which was my freshman year of college, which was 1998, which was full Attitude Era, Monday Night Wars, all that stuff was happening. 
And I got really into it really quickly, really into those two things, really into ECW as soon as I found out that it came on at like four in the morning on some random channel and uh, was pretty religious with it all through college, kind of fell off around 2003 or four, only checked in with it every so often after that until about 2011, 2010, 2011, when... Damien and I started talking, Damien started, you know, proselytizing about wrestling. Is that fair to say? Well, yeah. And I actually, do you remember the exact conversation that we had where you're like, I started watching wrestling again? Because I remember, no, I remember I the conversation. <laughs> we, were, we were talking, we were talking about, it was just, we were supposed to do an interview. We were setting up the interview for uh, David Comes to Life and you and me were just talking on the phone and you're like, uh, what's the deal with the pipe bomb and CM Punk had just done the big pipe bomb promo. And I'm like, it's a, it's, I'm like, yeah, you got it. It's amazing. And you're like, and then we talked uh, the next time we talked, you're like, yeah, I'm back watching wrestling. And within like a week you had interviewed CM Punk. It felt like, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty quick. i like, uh, it, I, it wasn't that. Cause I remember I was watching when the pipe bomb happened. Okay. Like, I, maybe, maybe you brought like, up the pipe bomb to me then that, that was the, that part of the conversation, I guess. But yeah, no, that the pipe bomb was a was a big, big thing in, in me getting back in. And also I was living in Chicago at the time. I was working at pitchfork.com. Um and I was living or I was working, I guess, uh three blocks away from where CM Punk lived. So I ended up interviewing him for GQ for the website. I went to his house and he was very nice to me and I I wrote a um Chicago reader cover story on Colt Cabana around the same time. And, uh, Colt and I became friendly. The reason I got to do the punk interview really. And, uh, I started, it occurred to me that, um, independent wrestling was a thing that I could pay attention to. And I lived in a city where it came. And so I went to a couple shows and then, you know, life happened and I ended up moving to Charlottesville, Virginia, which is not a professional wrestling hotbed. So I don't get out to many shows anymore, but for a minute there, I was, I was deep. I was just elbows deep in it. I was like, all right, this is who I am now. I'm a indie wrestling fan. Well, you kind of lucked out though, because you just, you know, you unfortunately moved to a non-wrestling hotbed just in time for the advent of the wrestling streaming service on the indie level. So now you can subscribe to everything. It got pretty easy. It just having the time to catch. I mean, yeah. This is, I should probably say right now that me and Damien are both, you know, people with like, I have a job and two kids and various different side hustles, and Damien has a. You could would you call fucked up a job? I guess, yeah. I, I, it's it's weird. Um, right now it's not because we're kind of on a break, but yeah, normally like. It definitely paid the bills for the last yeah, well, couple of years. There you go. <laughs> so he's got that and he's got three kids. And so we don't, we're not going to be like super ultra like anal about watching every wrestling show. And, you know, hopefully we're going to have this thing up every week. That's the, that's the plan anyway. But, yeah. You know, we're, we're grownups. So uh, adjust your expectations accordingly. Absolutely. And I, and I think also, I, I think another thing about this show is, um, you know, I might like I, I raw is something that I, I try and watch every week. Same with SmackDown. But at the same time, like, you know, if if there's a, a crazy show that I got to watch, you know, I'm going to watch that crazy show and, and maybe just uh, duck into the matches that I think are awesome on SmackDown and, and, and raw and kind of like 
get back out. So I, hopefully we talk about a lot of different stuff on this show. Like, you know, I watch Ring of Honor every week. It's kind of like my, uh, my own little private joy that, that, that is on the Buffalo cable channel that I grew up watching. And now they show Ring of Honor. So I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I grew up with that station. Now it's, it's changed with me and now it shows Ring of Honor just for me. So, you know, we'll talk about Ring of Honor and stuff like that, which, and, and, and just, you know, other stuff that we hear about that's good. Yeah. But so do you want to, you want to get into your history then? Yeah, I guess, uh, I, I much, uh, I guess kind of almost different than yourself. I was, I was like a huge rock wrestling can, when the rock wrestling connection was happening as far as the music, MTV, Cindy Lauper thing. That was like, I don't know. I just felt like that was perfectly time for me. The Saturday morning cartoon, you know, the, the, the connection to the Goonies, like everything about it was just like, it, it felt like wrestling was perfectly packaged for me at that time. WWF wrestling, I should say at that time. Um, you know, and I would, I grew up in Toronto, Canada, so I w- didn't really have access to NWA stuff at really until much later until WCW kind of, you know, really took off. And then they started showing it more on Canadian TV. Uh, so I would watch WWF as much as I could. I, I watched Mania, WrestleMania 2 at my friend's birthday. I was super young, but I, I have distinct memories from that day. And, you know, and then as kind of time went on, I kind of would always watch it. I never really stopped watching it, but I stopped calling myself a fan kind of when the Attitude Era really kicked off. And I, st- I loved a lot of the stuff that was going on, but I thought some of it was like, you know, I was also the time, perfectly timed for my punk rock, you know, awakening. And certainly by, you know, the, the late nineties, my hardcore awakening. And I always thought it was like kind of sexist at times, certainly a little homophobic at times. We can, we can definitely like as wrestling fans, we are fully engaged with the fact that wrestling is frequently a very fucked up thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're not, we're not gonna, we're not gonna shy away from that. No, that's, and uh, I, that's gonna come up. Yeah, and I think that is, uh, unfortunately something that will keep happening because I, I guess a culture is fucked up, right? Like it happens in music too and, and film and TV. Uh, but wrestling, yeah, you're right. It just seems to happen eh, somewhat more frequently. <laughs> it's certainly historically. In wrestling, um, or it's played up a little more in wrestling, I should say. Yeah, amplified. Amplified, yeah, that's probably uh, the best way of putting it. And so, but put through like a a funhouse mirror, so it elongates all its weird features. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. It just puts it right up there for you to see, and you're just you have to just take it as part of the package. Um, so I kind of like, yeah, the Attitude Era. Stop watching it. Uh, as much, I'm still kind of, actually, that's not true. I would still watch it like every Monday night, you know, and then especially when WCW was on, you know, and we got, we started getting them in Canada. Uh, I would flip between the two, uh, or, or try not flip between the two. So I should say, but like, you know, watch one one day and then watch one the next. And it was a, uh, yeah, like, uh, something I kind of kept to myself. And then I started working at a video store. And the guy I worked with, who I owe a, a huge debt to for a lot of things, uh, introducing me to a lot of cool culture stuff, but this guy named Glenn Salter had the craziest wrestling videotape collection I had ever seen. And, and subsequently, I know there, there definitely are people with way better collections, but still this collection was awesome. And he would just bring in these tapes because I kind of expressed an interest in wrestling and he would bring in, 
you know, all the ECW stuff, which was kind of harder to see. I guess maybe it was on TV in Canada at the time, but I don't know. I remember him bringing the tapes. Uh, I would, you know, but he would also bring in like XPW and Japanese stuff and old Memphis tapes and just like tape trader stuff. And that's when I just kind of like got super, super into it. FMW DVDs we used to rent at the video store I worked at. So I'd watch all those. And then I just, you know, started trying to go to shows, you know, got to, you know, luckily, Got to see like, you know, people like Michael Elgin, you know, as they were just really getting going in Southern Ontario wrestling and stuff like that on the indie scene. There were a lot of weird, you know, it was kind of the rise of TNA too around then. And so there were a lot of like shows on the weekend where they bring up a big star from TNA and then have a lot of like local indie guys also on it or two big stars from TNA. And uh, so I'd go to those shows and, you know, go to wrestling shows and yeah, just, you know, and unfortunately touring kind of gets in the way of my wrestling enjoyment. It seems like every time something comes to Toronto that I really want to see, I'm away. But then also, sometimes it works out in my favor. Like uh, Chris Charlton, host of Japanese Audio Wrestling, took me to see New Japan Pro Wrestling one time when I was in Japan. And uh, one time I got to go to Arena Mexico uh, and see CMLL when I was in Mexico. So, you know, it breaks oh, both ways, I should oh, say. I, I'm so whatever. Like. <laughs> I haven't been to a wrestling show in like a goddamn year and a half. He's <laughs> going to New Japan shows and shit. It's fucked. It's stupid what it is. Anyway. Well, well, no one's bringing me to Japan anymore. I'm not going to New Japan shows these days. I've been a one. Actually, that's not true. Now New Japan comes here so much. So it feels like, I don't know, you get to see it a little bit. Yeah, man, I like living in a small town. It's really nice. I don't really miss the live music that much. You know, I kind of feel like we get mostly enough of it, but I, I miss the wrestling. Mm-hmm. We don't get wrestling here. Anyway, um, I, I'd like you shouted out your, like, wrestling buddy who got you into it. I should actually take a minute to shout out mine. Um, this guy, Jeff Passan, who lived in the dorm room next to mine in Syracuse University, freshman year 1998, who is now one of the, I believe, one of the, like, Internet's leading baseball journalists. Oh, wow. Yeah, he works for Yahoo Sports, and he just published a book, and he has, you know, like way more Twitter followers than I do. That's, uh, I don't know anything about baseball, but shout out to Jeff. That's a good dude. Well, they're, they're Sorry, I, I physically threw him out of my dorm room one time because he made fun of the city of Baltimore, and, uh, and I regret that, Jeff, if you happen to be listening to that. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. Uh, well, I, I, there is a strong connection between baseball and wrestling, right? Like Randy I, Savage, between wrestling and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, but so anyway, so the way we're going to do this thing is we're going to have friends of ours on, yes, uh, people within music who like to talk about wrestling. Maybe every once in a while, people within wrestling. But uh, this week, we're going in cold. It's uh, it's just us. Um. And and should we should we get into the week? Should we talk about the things from this week that we feel like talking about? Absolutely, I think uh, that you know that's another thing we're going to do is just kind of break down things as it happened. I think this was a great episode just for us to you know kind of chat and introduce ourselves, and you know before we start getting the guests next week coming, and it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be fun because it's going to be people that you don't normally get to hear just fan the fuck out about wrestling. Yeah, that's the thing about wrestling fans is those of us who like talking about it and don't often get the chance to, like, when we get the chance to, it's just like, bah. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, it's like, I was at a, 
I went to the Pitchfork Festival a couple of weeks ago in Chicago, and I probably spent like 20% of the time there just talking about wrestling with people. It's funny because we talked about the CM Punk pipe bomb promo, and I think now in retrospect, that was like such a a key moment for this moment that we're seeing in wrestling. And I think, you know, right now people would say, oh, the ratings are down and this and that, but I think we're in a boom period for pro wrestling. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know that much about the macros of it, but it definitely is like, I, I feel comfortable talking about it. Like, I don't feel like an asshole for being into it. Mm-hmm. Like, most of my friends in Charlottesville are not into it. You know, my wife thinks it's like hilarious and stupid and, uh, and that's fine. This is whatever. But, uh, you know, I know a couple people who like it and are down to like dork out about it. And I, I, I find there's more people like that these days than there yeah, were. I think so. Yeah. Like it feels like all the laps wrestling fans are kind of coming back. Um, maybe there aren't new fans, who knows, but there are definitely a lot of returned laps fans and fans that, you know, probably were watching in secret. I guess we're in the era where it's comfortable to be a nerd. Yeah. About whatever. Yeah. Like, whatever. Yeah. So one thing that I want to, I mean, it's not like, like I'm sure there's bigger things happening and whatever, but there's a thing that happened last night that I thought was fucking awesome, mm-hmm. which was on the, uh, the cruiserweight classic TV show, which, uh, it, it, did you see this week's? I haven't watched it yet. That was, oh, man. but that's okay. it. If you watched it, I, I, I believe me, I'm going to, I don't care about the spoilers. I've got a PVR. I'm going to watch it after this, but this will give me something to be excited about. So go on. Uh, well, there you go. Um, so PVR, I have it on demand. <laughs> it, it, everybody knew what you meant. <laughs> Everyone knew but, what I meant. Moving on. So uh, this week, this week, if, if you are, you know, a music person who's tuning into this, uh, who doesn't know that much about wrestling, the Cruiserweight Classic is this thing they're doing on the WWE Network. They started three weeks ago, I guess. And uh, they, what they did is they brought in bunch of smaller cruiserweight wrestlers from around the world, none of which I believe were contracted to WWE. Well, like they're all, you know, freelancers. I think a few of them have since been offered contracts, but some like fairly big names if you're a wrestling dork, but these are not people who even two years ago would have ever got a chance to sniff WWE TV. So the fact that they've put all these people on to showcase what they do on their own network for an hour every week is kind of stunning mm-hmm. and groundbreaking. And I'm really happy and excited about it. Um, and so the nice thing about the Cruiserweight Classic is that there are no storylines, which I think is really interesting. It's, it's a, it's a 32 man single elimination competition where they're going to eventually crown what they say is like the best cruiserweight or best unsigned cruiserweight or something in the world. And they have a bunch of people who are sort of like stars from around the world. They have Kota Ibushi from Japan, who's awesome. They have this guy, Zack Sabre Jr. from England. They have a bunch of other people, and uh, and they're all great. You know, most of them are great. Some of them have been kind of shitty, but um, they do four matches a week, and there's no real storyline into them. They'll have a little video package where the guy says, hi, my name is blah, blah, blah. And I'm from blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and, but they won't like, there's no long simmering rivalries. There's no like, uh, 
endless like like interview segments where they're talking to each other on microphones in the middle of the room. I find it like soothing. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like a slow TV version of, of pro wrestling or it's like if you like if you're just like flipping through channels on a Saturday afternoon and you see like a like the Milwaukee Bucks are playing the you know, like Denver Nuggets and you don't give a shit about either of these teams, but you get kind of sucked in anyway. Um, that's that what, never happens to me, Tom, but I, I it's like well, if I see a law and order criminal intent that I've already yeah. kind of seen, but I'll just watch it. I know what you're saying. <laughs> except, except that if you're like, Oh, Steve Buscemi is on this. Episode exactly. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so this week they had the only one of the first round, the first round ended on, on this week's show and it, Ended with the last match, which is also the best match by far, I think, of this whole first round. It's the only one with any kind of story uh, line intrigue at all going into it, which was uh, this guy, Johnny Gargano, and this guy, Tommaso Ciampa, who mm-hmm. are tag team partners on NXT, which um, they're on NXT TV constantly, despite not having an exclusive contract over there, I believe. I don't really know all the ins and outs of it. Because I know those guys still wrestle indie shows, but they are, you know, they have their own storyline and everything. This whole thing is kind of complicated by the fact that the very same night that they wrestled each other on the Cruiserweight Classic, they had, like, just this butt-ass promo on NXT TV <laughs> with the, with the, the what's it, what's it called? The Revival? The Revival, yeah. They, they were just like... Ooh, the revival, Ooh, just like trying to clown them and shit, and it was super irritating and stupid. But immediately after this, they have this just magical match against each other on this show, and like it was awesome for one thing because like Tommaso Ciampa, you and I knew him because he was in Ring of Honor for a long time, and he's been on the Indies, and on the Indies, he's been this fucking murderer. He's the Sicilian psychopath, like that's his nickname. And this thing is like for a while, his whole uh, his whole gimmick was he would take off his knee pad and kick somebody in the face a bunch of times until they just the ref like threw the match out. So he's just this like ruthless murder machine. Like that's his whole character, right? Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, somebody was calling on that. All right, cool. Anyway, so um, he in NXT because he's a smaller guy and because he's tag team partners with Johnny Gargano, who's like a plucky, super positive guy. Um, they, they are always underdogs and that was never to mess his character on the Indies. So you put him up against his friend in this like bragging rights competition. Basically he suddenly turns back into this like brutal murder machine. Who's just throwing these nasty kicks all over the place. And he just fucking decapitates Gargano like over and over and over again. And yeah, I, I'm going to spoil it now. Uh, Gargano gets the win with like a little flash pin thing. And they do this like thing where like Gargano goes to shake his hand afterwards and Tommaso won't shake his hand. He like, he walks out of the ring and he like pauses on the apron and puts his like head in his hands. Like he can't believe what just happened. And, but then it's like, and, and this whole time, like, Gargano's just sitting in the middle of the ring because he's been fucking kicked in the brain 18 times yeah. and he can't stand up. And and so Champa like he like thinks better of it, right? And he turns around, he goes back through the ropes, and he sits down next to Gargano. And he like grabs him in a big hug. And then it's like all good again. And it was beautiful. It was this great little like 
it was like silent movie acting or something. Like he had to convey all these conflicting emotions with no, you know, without the benefit of dialogue or anything, just facial expressions and body language. And he's not an actor, you know, like acting in pro wrestling is, is traditionally dog shit. Like it's supposed mm-hmm. to suck. Mm-hmm. And he did this. He, it's it's. I mean, it's like a simple basic story. It's not anything sophisticated. And it's within the context of this show whose defining characteristic is that there are no storylines, but it's just, he tell he told the story both within the match and then after the match, like so well, like it was so good. Well, they, they, and sorry, it was, it, it made me real happy. That was my happiest wrestling moment of the week by far. Well, you bring up a really good point. Cause like, yeah, like these, these people are so talented, you know, especially now the roster that this company has, like people talk about the depth issues maybe because they've got so much stuff going on, but like, Oh my God. Like it, it, it's like everyone, like so many talented people, like unreal people, like they're just so gifted at telling stories like, yeah, acting, but like telling stories with their bodies in the ring. It's like, let's lean heavier on that and less on the promo stuff. Cause even like, yeah, yeah. That's, it, I mean, that's the thing. Like that's, that's the knock on WWE, right? Is that they're like, they have the most talent. They have talent that other wrestling organizations can't dream of. Like I don't really watch, Ring of Honor now, and part of the reason I don't watch it is because it's like the farm team to the farm team, right? Yeah, like, but there's still some guys like Jay. They're still like the guys that just aren't there yet, like Jay Lethal. But I know what you're saying like they've lost a lot of. Everyone's lost a lot of big names, but there's still like enough kind of out there that I think you know they must have like they could have taken everything, right? Like they, yeah. you know, they must have known like we got to leave some stuff behind. We got to like make sure that this is like we can't salt the earth. You know, with these talent raids, like, you know, we got to yeah, get ourselves like, who are we going to get the next wave? Of yeah. People? Yeah. But, yeah. But so it's like most of the people who show real promise in Ring of Honor get signed to NXT. And then most of the people in NXT who show real promise get brought into the WWE main roster. So it's like, so the, you know, this whole varied, like multi-level system that they have allows for something like this. Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano match. Mm-hmm like under the auspices of WWE, which is crazy and amazing. Um, but so that, yeah, like I know that's not like the biggest story in wrestling this week or anything, but that was just something that like I was real psyched about and felt like talking about. Do you have anything like that from this week? Well, like I, I guess like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not necessarily psyched about, but I, I, I kind of want to go on your point before I move on to my point. Cool. Um, Back to your point, though, I just think, like, it's funny because that was the only match in the opening round where it was like, who's who's this going to go to? Like, who are they going to yeah. Who are they gonna have out of these two move on? And uh, the other one that I, I kind of saw that I thought was worth talking about, which is, I guess, last week, but Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tyson Dukes. Mm-hmm. And that's like, they were never, ever, ever going to let Tyson Dukes win that thing. No, I know. And I got to give him a huge shout out. Like, that's the thing. It's like, as soon as I saw him against Zack Sabre. I was like, okay, well, I know Zack Sabre Jr. Like, you see the photos of Zack Sabre Jr. that are circulating of him backstage hanging out with all the big stars at, at WWE, and you're like, yeah, I think this guy's got a pretty bright future at this place. Yep. yep. Um, and so, but I, you know, Tyson Dukes obviously Canadian, so you know, I'm gonna rep Canadian wrestling whenever I can, and uh, yeah, just amazing, amazing. Um. God, I'm trying to think, uh, what I saw. I'm trying, like, I've, I've been watching so much stuff with the G1. 
Uh, and oh, you've been watching the G1? Just little bits, like just matches. The, the, G1 like, cli- the G1, is it the G1 Climax? Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, the G1 Climax. Oh, God, now people are going to be pissed. But is it series? That's what it's, is it? I don't know. It's this thing they do in New Japan Pro Wrestling every year where it's just like, they have like, was it like 20 shows in a month or something? Yeah, it's it's the greatest professional wrestling tournament in the world. Like, as far as just how much, like, talent is there. Like, and obviously this year, it's it, you know, this is post losing two of their, not two, like a lot of their biggest stars to WWE. Yeah, at least three, right? Yeah. Because AJ uh, Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, and now... Kota and Gallows Kota. and Anderson... Oh yeah, yeah, them too. So five of them. Yeah, and and uh, also uh, was uh, uh, I'm trying to remember. Someone else is not there that was there last year too. Oh fuck! Now now it's going to bother me. They oh, probably yeah. have people hurt and stuff like that. So anyway, they have the, like this super complicated like point system that I don't understand. And they basically everybody they have like two blocks of the tournament, mm-hmm. and everybody who's in a block has to wrestle everybody else in that block until they figure out who has the most points. And then the two guys with the most points from either side wrestle each other. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, and it's like, it's actually like the point system. It's kind of like, there's like points for, you know, I'm not, there's definitely people that are breaking this down way better than ours right now. Uh, but there are points for draw a win and, uh, and then, you know, a, a loss. There's also, there's no points. Right. So, but yeah, like you move on and it's, it's amazing watching, how this thing comes together because it's so long and so grueling. So you have like the, the risk of, you know, real accidents befalling people and people falling out of the tournament. Like Tenzon looks pretty, pretty beaten up at this point, And Ishii looks pretty beaten up at this point. Have you even watched all of the God, no, God, no, no, I, I wait till John Pollock, uh, on live audio wrestling, shout out to live audio wrestling. Cause they, they actually, that, I met those guys during the pipe bomb promo walking down the street, John Pollock and waiting. Oh. They, they were interviewing people for their live reaction on the street to the CM Punk's pipe bomb promo. Wow. And they were having no pro, they were having no luck finding like, people. Okay, okay. Yeah. Like, like, how would you like come up to somebody and be like, what do you think of this thing that happened on wrestling? Like, I would never do that ever in my life. Well, they, they are like, you know, obviously John Pollock and Wei Ting do a great job as part of the live audio wrestling team on podcasts, but like the video stuff they did is some really out there stuff. And like Wei is kind of fearless in a lot of his stuff. He used to do this uh, segment called the Wei in where he'd ask people the most uh, like sometimes insane questions. Uh, so I guess they were just like, you know, doing streeters, just seeing if anyone knew about this thing. And I saw them, and I flipped out. I'm like, "Oh my god, John Pollock and Waiting from Audio <laughs> Wrestling," and uh, they were a little taken aback. I think this is before they started doing the convention circuit and stuff, which they do now. And I, I don't think they were as recognized as often at this point. Certainly not on the street. Uh, For those of y'all who don't know Damien that well, Damien is a big fan of everything that he's a big fan. Of. Like, yeah, he's a big fan of whatever. Like he'll be like. I, he knows shit about like punk rock that like I'm a music critic and it's my job to know this shit. And I'm just like, he gets like, like I, we were texting about this thing. And then I was looking at the like last text I got from you and it was like, 
Do you know that somebody who was in the band Belly had been in verbal abuse or verbal assault or something beforehand? Like, I don't even know what that is. But like, that's, 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 what, that's, that's how Davey gets down with this stuff. I, I totally. There's actually like just before I logged on uh, to, to call you, someone hit me up on Twitter and was like, did you know that Jeff Dahl from Power Trip uh, tried out to be in Man is a Bastard? <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, my God. Oh, man. And then he's like, yeah. And also, yeah, like, I know what all those words mean. And I'm just like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> I think that's the thing is like if you like, you know, that's what I love about wrestling is that there's like obviously there's casual fans, but every fan that's a fan is pretty hardcore, I find. And so yeah, it's true. Like, I, you know, I've been a music professional music critic for like 11 years now yeah and i don't get nervous i mean i don't really do interviews anymore but i don't get nervous before the one i do in the rare situations in which i am around professional wrestlers i totally become like a shrinking wallflower oh like absolutely it's like uh like it's like i mean it's it's i like the way i like to talk about like i love writing about rap and i love writing about wrestling because Rappers and pro wrestlers are the closest thing to like real life superheroes that we have. I, I would I would concur. I would also add. Uh, uh, um, uh, no, no, that's I. I, I hardcore frontman is that? No, no, God, no, God, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, maybe New York hardcore front people. Yeah, there's a little bit of that thing. You know, yeah, and and certainly <laughs> there's like a little bit of legend about something where yeah. it's like you like. The idea that, like, Meng was the toughest person who ever lived, or that, like, Andre the Giant could drink 40 beers in one sitting or whatever, where it's just these people become, like, folk heroes. Mm -hmm. My parents used to go drink at the same bar in Montreal that Andre the Giant used to drink at. When, Did they see him? Yeah, all the time. And he would, like, hang out and, like, my parents weren't wrestling fans. They were just partiers. And he was a partier, so they just like party with him. And they said that the pint glass would he just pound beers all night. Like, he just pound beers, but it looked like a shot glass in his hand, or like a, I guess more like a what would it be like a rum cup or something. I don't know. I don't drink, <laughs> so I don't know. But you know, it looks like a tumbler of some sort. Right, right, yeah. That's uh, I uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm about seven feet tall. I have a yeah. particular affinity for the giant wrestlers. I wrote a big thing of where I like. Like, I don't know, five years ago, I interviewed Big Show and did, like, and wrote about, like, all the, like, the giant, the most, like, giant athletes who I could think of. There's, like, Wikipedia pages about it. I went on some deep dives. Do you have, like, a, you, so you've, you've got a lot of empathy for Big Show, you say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So does it hurt you when people, like, chant, like, you should retire and stuff at him and all that sort of stuff? No, because I don't think it hurts him, you know? Yeah, like, no. I talked to him about this. He doesn't give a shit. Like, he's like, I'm paid. Like, I feed my family. Like, he's, like, like the stuff that I was asking him, like, most often was, like, do you think you're going to die? Like, I, I was getting, like, real weird and morbid with it because, like, this was around the time my son was born, mm -hmm. right? So he's going to be huge. Mm -hmm. And and I was, like, oh, shit. Like, it, you know, I my daughter's going to be tall, too, but it didn't, like, stress me out as much. But with, like, with Finn, you know, I'm – my wife, Bridget, is six feet tall. I'm 6'11". And so it's like, fuck, this kid's going to be huge. Like, what did I do to him? You know, these like the, the freak out, like, new parent things that go through your head. Like, I was like, help me with this, the big show. 
and he was very nice and talked me through it a little bit, kind of. No, that's awesome. You, I think you should walk in his footsteps and start vaping. Does he vape? Oh, my God. You haven't seen the Big Show vape pictures online? Nope. Oh, Tom. As a Big Show fan, I love the Big Show, too. Like, I, It does kind of piss me off when people chant that shit at him because I'm like, this dude probably hurts more every night from doing what he does than a lot of other people on this roster. Okay, my favorite, all right, when I interviewed the Big Show, my favorite, like, thing that he said was just, like, he's like, wrestling is easy for me. Like, the I'm, this is this is all indirect quotes or whatever, yeah. but, like, um, the he doesn't move around the ring super fast because he's not supposed to because people have told him not to because he has to play his role, mm-hmm. which is to be giant and let people bounce off him. But, like, so I was remembering when, like, I think it was like a Survivor Series one year. He and Mark Henry had a match, and he went up to the top rope, and he, like, teetered up there for a while, and then he dropped a big elbow on him. And uh, and so I was asking him about that, and he was like, he was saying that all that teetering was for effect. Like, he could have done that big elbow drop in his sleep, from what he told me. Like, that, like, but he has, he has a role to play, so... If he's going to go up to the top rope and drop an elbow, he has to really sell it and make it like a special thing. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome. But I mean, like, just like even just landing, you know, like even if he takes any sort of like when he goes down and takes like, I, a, a a bump of some sort, he's so big. And it, yeah. and I just like I know when I fall and like, you know, you know, just when I was bigger, it hurt more. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like if I like trip on like a vacuum cord or whatever. It fucks up my whole day, and that's what—that's his job to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, as much as like you know, I always look at the parallels between what it's like to be sort of a touring musician versus a touring wrestler, and there's a lot of similarities. But at the end of the day, you're, you're you kind of go to bed pretty okay as far as like physical shape, you know, unless mm-hmm. unless it's self inflicted, which happens which in both. Has been for you. More than most touring musicians, I would say. Yeah, yeah, but I think like yeah. the upper, like like the ninety eighth percentile for self inflicted wounds <laughs> as a touring musician. Unfortunately, yes, Tom. Yes, I would say. Uh, but I, I, like as you were saying, like yeah, I'm the same way. You know, I freak out when I talk to wrestlers. Like I don't freak out when I talk to anyone in music. Like I, like you know, I've told this story, and Chris Jericho's made me tell the story before too. But like we we did a tour in Australia, this big festival tour called Soundwave, and Metallica was headlining. They threw this big barbecue to welcome all the bands to the festival. Right, it was just for the bands. And so I look over at this thing, and you know, there's tons of bands on this tour. It's like everyone from like I think that year it was like maybe Blink-182 to and Paramore and stuff headlining and, like, I don't know, uh, Metallica, obviously. And then I look over and there's Carrie King from Slayer, uh, uh, Lars from Metallica, uh, Scott Ian from Anthrax, and motherfucking Chris Jericho. So I got to talk to Chris Jericho. So I walk over and I'm like, excuse me, gentlemen. I don't mean to, I really like this story. I don't, mean, keep going. I don't mean to cut in. But Chris Jericho, my name's Damien Abraham. I play in a band called Fucked Up. It's an honor to meet you. And uh, and that was it. You know, like that to me was like, you know, like those guys, I, I respect them and I love what they did as music. But like like you said, they're not superheroes. Yeah, yeah. Like Carrie King, you could probably make the case. Yeah, 
Yeah, but I hear he doesn't eat hot dogs. So, you know. What? Yeah. <laughs> you like, never heard what, that? Is, is this like music gossip that goes around? The guy from Slayer doesn't eat hot dogs? Oh, that's a very famous one, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> is it because they look like dicks? Like, why? I don't know. I've never gotten to ask him about it, but that's just something I've always kind of famously <laughs> that's, heard. He was right there. You had your, you had your shot. Yeah, but like, I don't know if that's the, if that's as good an opening line as Chris Jericho. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> like, dude, yeah, you don't yeah. eat hot dogs? What the fuck? <laughs> it's like, it's like how like nobody like is going to discuss Donald Trump's poll numbers with him. Yeah. Like, nobody's going to, nobody's going to go up to, to the guy from Slayer and be like, what's up with you not eating hot yeah. dogs? I'm going to say this. There's a lot of stuff that people just don't discuss with Slayer out of convenience. <laughs> there's like a, you know, in 2016, there are some things that people are just choosing to not discuss with that band. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, myself included at that point, too, because I wanted to talk to Chris Jericho. And then I was also thinking another time I was flying to shoot some documentary for Vice and I came through security and I bump into like literally almost Roderick Strong at Toronto Airport, you know, okay. uh, later, like latest, uh, apparently rumored signee to NXT. Uh, that's, that's, that's the scuttlebutt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of my, I love him, you know, big fan of him, wrestle some, uh, wrestle, uh, Finley one time in. Oh, shit. Yeah, at a Ring of Honor show, and it was incredible. Like, you know, and I was like, holy shit, Roderick Strong. And, uh, my phone was dead, so I couldn't get a photo. Yeah. Oh, well. So you couldn't, you couldn't like, prove to the world how much of a tiny man he is? He's, well, hey, Tom, to be fair, he, he, I, th- I was thinking about that today when, when he got signed to WD. I was like, how tall was I think he's like, he must be six, I'm like six one. And he was like, as tall as me, I think. Okay. No, no maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I also uh, bumped into Nigel McGuinness one time at a gas station in England. Yep, I've heard this story. Yep, these are my my what? running into Ring of Honor stars in random places stories. Yeah, see, Damien's a world traveler. I, I I stay at home, so unless like Jay Lethal is like hanging out in my vestibule, I'm probably not going to run into him somewhere. Yo, if I run into Jay Lethal anywhere, that guy, I think that is right now the most underrated wrestler in professional wrestling. Yeah. I got kind of bored with watching him for a while. Cause it was one of those things where it's like every Jay lethal match is like 20 minutes long and you know, he's going to do all the same stuff. And also like, I really don't like, um, what's his name? Truth, truth, Martini. Yeah. 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 He's I, truth is kind of out of it right now. It's just Jay kind of doing these angles by himself right now. It seems. Okay. Um, but he's still part of the truth commission. Um, I kind of like truth Martini. <laughs> Like, there's something so like like you, my first like indie wrestling show, or at least the first one that I went to since I was in college or whatever, was like and, uh, Roderick Strong was in the was in the main event at that one, and I think he was part of the House of Truth at that point. He was wrestling Eddie Edwards for the Ring of Honor Championship. This was a uh, summer 2011, and I was just like everything that I was seeing because I didn't know who any of these people were except for like Shelton Benjamin or whoever. I was like, this is all fucking awesome. Like, this is so cool. Except here's this fucking cackling guy, which is exactly what I would expect to see with his like hair metal hair and shit in like a local wrestling league and his like stupid, like tuxedo vest with no shirt on underneath. Like it, 
was just like, oh yeah, like this is like some some super bush league wrestling shit. Yeah, I, I I think he's though like I know what you're saying. I can see what you're talking about, but I think he's the best of that. Like that, I was thinking about him and Prince Nana, and I was like actually thinking about ROH's like you know kind of like non wrestling talent, mm-hmm. and they've got a lot of people that I think add, you know, especially because we're talking about guys who are sometimes younger in the in in working and and maybe aren't as good or as comfortable talking in front of a crowd yet. And the fact that they have these guys that can kind of help. And I know with, like, you know, Jay Lethal, it's not really necessary at this point. But uh, I don't know. I've got a soft spot for uh, for these people as on-string characters. I've never met them in real life, though. So that's as on-string <laughs> characters. So <laughs> with 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 Truth Martini. <laughs> I was like... Uh, I'm sure he's a good person. He seems like he's fun to hang out with. I don't want to... I don't want to shit on the man. It's just the character is not something I've ever really enjoyed. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think on the podcast with Cole Cavana, I've been like, I think in real life, me and him might not get along. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, Cole Cabana's podcast, which I'm sure everyone listens to, but my God, is that like, I think that has added so much to indie wrestling. Yeah, yeah. That was definitely like when I was like, that that was a big part of my like uh what do you call it? Like my when I was dipping my toe back in and being like, I'm gonna start paying attention to this. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of fills the role of what a pro wrestling illustrated, I think, would have filled in a bygone era, in the sense of like this is how you know about all these guys that you might not get to see, but yep. when they come to your town, you're excited because you're like, Oh, I know all about this guy's story. Mm-hmm. Um it's a good take. I like that take. Well, we should sell it to Colt. Tell Colt. Tell him. Tell him I said that. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, what were we talking? Oh, we were talking uh, way back when about uh, uh, live audio wrestling's uh, co- coverage of G1 Climax. And oh, right, right, right. strongly recommend that because John Pollock does an amazing job breaking all that stuff down and definitely highlight matches are like not matches, but uh, shows are what four hours long. Like they, they're all crazy long. They can be. They're definitely. Yeah. Like in the, and with this, some, there's other stuff that's non-tournament matches. Like there's like tag stuff and other things. So I always feel compelled to watch those things. If I'm watching a new Japan show, I don't know why. Yeah. I, probably cause it feels so precious still, you know, like it's rarer. Like I gotta appreciate every, like, it's like when you go to a restaurant and you, buy an expensive something to eat that's expensive something to eat a meal that's expensive and you got to eat every bit of it because you're like i can't waste any of this shit yeah no yeah it's true um but uh what a what yeah but so strongly recommend if you want to follow it because there's definitely tons 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 to check out we talk about some of the stuff that like you know, you're supposed to talk about if you're a wrestling podcast, because we're all kind of dancing around the margins now. And we, we got SummerSlam coming up. There's big things, big changes are afoot in WWE. Um, should we talk about like the draft and stuff like that? The fallout from it? Yeah, let's get into that. Let's, uh, let's maybe go to our post draft reactions. And I think we're now a weekend, right? We can probably see what it's going to shape up like. Yeah, and it's uh, it's nice so far. I mean, like obviously that first raw after the draft was amazing. It was great. Like they, they you know, they super overloaded that one, and it was thank God they did. 
Um, I, I've kind of stopped watching Raw, or I had, and now I'm, I think I'm back in for now. Even just like little things, like the way they changed the set and the logo and the music and the announced. I mean, I guess it's not even little things anymore. Like where the announced team is, like it was getting really stale for me. Like I was like having to force myself to watch them, and then I just kind of stopped. So now that there's just these little cosmetic changes, it feels different. Yeah. Like it feels more. Uh, there's like a novelty factor that wasn't there before, and like. Corey Graves instead of JBL on the announce team. That's like a ridiculous upgrade. Like to the point where like, like I, it has severely like impacted my watching. Like it has made it that much more pleasurable. Mm-hmm. I guess severe is the wrong word for it when it's good. Whatever well, the opposite of severe is. Well, I think it could still severely impact it. No, maybe I don't know. you're, you're the editor more than I am. So you- <laughs> I don't edit shit. I barely hit it myself. <laughs> well, that's more than I do for myself. <laughs> Trust me, anyone who reads my emails, you know that from my text messages. I very poor at doing that. But yeah, like I think it's funny because it, like I, a part of me is like, do I like these changes? Am I excited about all these changes? And definitely, there's some like Corey Graves, hundred percent, really excited about that. And like you know the the way they're you know like talking smack, like all this kind of stuff they're adding to the shows to make them. I feel like more like a less of a, a little self-contained television show and more like a like an actual league, like a wrestling federation, like you're watching like a real sports program and there's like after shows and pre-shows and all that stuff. I like that stuff. But like there's also some stuff that I'm kind of bummed out about. Like they fucked up some stuff that was really kind of good and that was kind of working. Like what? The club. Uh, yeah. Like, I just, I just really, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just kind of like, I, I obviously I've got a soft spot for them. Like everyone who saw them in new Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think like it made AJ feel like he was part of something and made him feel like, like a big deal. Well, he's going to be a big deal regardless. Oh yeah. Yeah. And now they have it in their back pocket at all times that mm-hmm. they can like, that they can bust out, like, they can make it the Valor Club. Like, that's whenever they want to make him a bad guy, it's right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I agree. Like, I, like maybe you're right. Like, that's uh, maybe it's just me. It's hard to know what, like, how it's going to play out. It's funny to, like, look back at all the major things that happened in wrestling and, and like, all the, you know, imaginary, like, thoughts that you have at those moments like oh it'd be so incredible if this happened and this happened afterwards and then you look back two years later and you're like that didn't pan out at all like i thought yeah but at the same time it's like this is how as like a music critic this is some this is like a way i had to like train my brain which is like you don't review the album you wish you got Mm -hmm. like you review the album that you did get and you judge it on those merits you know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah, we no, all fantasy yeah. book this shit. We all, we're all like, wouldn't it be cool if X, Y, and Z happened? Or we'll read some shit that somebody wrote online and we'll be like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then they won't do it and you'll be like, shit. But it's like right now, like the way SummerSlam is matching up is, is like all the matches are developing and everything. Like it looks great. Like, um, you know, on Raw, they're going to have um, – they're going to have Finn Balor, who just debuted, versus Seth Rollins for the championship. And that's, like, that's a really cool match. It's completely fresh. Like, 
I think those two will mesh really well together. And that's like, that's just a thing they wouldn't have done even a month ago. And then at the same time on SmackDown, they're going to have Dean Ambrose and Dolph Ziggler for the championship, which is less exciting. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not that excited about anything happening on SmackDown, but it's like, that's still something new. And that's like kind of exciting and, and different. And I don't imagine they'll let Ziggler win, but just for him to be in that position on a big show is, is that's cool. You know, good for them. That's like, they're kind of shaking off some old habits. Yeah, they are. And, and, and that's the thing that's really exciting. It's like, it, it almost feels like a, like a reboot at this point, like a little bit, like with like Dolph Ziggler now becoming, it's like, oh yeah, we're back to that. Like we're, we're back to, to him being actually like a focused upon talent that we can kind of hopefully believe in again. Which is like, they needed to do a little bit of that because it was getting stale and it, mm-hmm. it, it does kind of suck when they have all these incredible like wrestlers and personalities and you're just like, Oh, this is what you're doing with them. Yeah. But, like, and, and you know, there's still a little bit of that, but it's uh but it's like, I'm like, I'm imagining they're going to do like Enzo and Cass are going to feud with Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho, which is weird. Like it's kind of out of nowhere, but like, I'll let that happen. Like watching, like Enzo and Jericho just yell at each other was really fun on Monday. Like I enjoyed the shit out of it. Yeah, no, I, yeah, you're right. Like Enzo is a revelation. Like I love watching that guy. Like he's super fun. And like, like the amount, like he's only been around for a couple months. Right. And for him to be as popular as he is this quickly is, is crazy. And like, you know, he has his whole, like, road dog type sing-along spiel before every match. But then he just starts talking. Like, random shit, whatever comes into his head. And the crowd is completely eating all of it up. And it's hilarious. And it's like, re- like you're just, like, watching this guy being like, this guy has been waiting his whole life to do some shit like this. And he's absolutely grabbing his moment. And this is really fun. And then to watch him play off against somebody like Jericho, who's in a very good place right now, even though I don't really like watching him wrestle that much at this point, but just watching him talk, like where, like when after the whole, like, how are you doing thing? And Jericho starts being like, I don't care how you're doing. I don't care how any of these people are doing. I hope you're doing terrible. Like, it was great. Like I was, I was actually busting up laughing watching wrestling, which is not something that I've been doing recently. Yeah, like Jericho obviously is, you know, one of the best. Kevin Owens is is one of the best too at this point on the mic. So that'll be an amazing feud. It's it's weird though. Like it's kind of like running contrary to to like the idea of it becoming more like people are like, Oh, they're, they're pushing towards a more, even more of a sports presentation is like the, there's also like, yeah, but they're also doing the, or maybe it's more with NXT. People have been like, Oh, there's more of a serious sports presentation on NXT. But then there's like, yeah, but there's also like Enzo on NXT too, which is kind of like, I would say, you know what, you know, like I could see the same faults that you bring up about a truth martini in an Enzo. Oh, it's night and day, dude. He's so like he's when, when you like, have a guy like that who can talk shit like that. You gotta like wind him up and watch him go. Like that's all you can do. You but gotta like, just like take the leash off that kid. Yeah, and like he's he's an amazing, like he's unbelievable. But I mean, like as far as it not being, you know, like the uh, 
the uh, black trunks in 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 short boots presentation, you know, like the. It's uh, never going to be. It's never going to be all one thing or all. No, and I, you know, I, I'm not saying I want it to be one thing or the other, but I can see. I could just playing devil's advocate. I could say, like, you know, maybe I could see a little bit of kind of the problems that one would have with a truth martini in uh in an in, in just like a a loud talker too. I don't know. I'm not buying that shit at all. <laughs> what you're selling to me, and I'm 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 rejecting. It. I'm taking that back to where it was sitting on the shelf on the store, and I'm leaving it there for somebody else to pick it up. I don't know if Enzo busts out a book. Uh, I think you're going to have to dust it off and put it back on the shelf. That is a deep hypothetical. <laughs> I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. I don't know if Enzo owns a book that is not his character at all. What do you think probably, is the book that's like on the back of Enzo's toilet right now? Uh, probably that sneaker freaker zine from a couple of years ago that used to. Oh be. yeah, there you go. That sounds about right. <laughs> or uh, I, I imagine that guy is incredibly well read. You know, like I would say that if you were to talk to that guy, like, have you watched, there's that Corey Graves interview thing with him online about, uh, uh, how do you become a certified G? No, uh, it's, it's like, it's, uh, him kind of like dialing it back a little bit, but in still being Enzo, but like, you can kind of be like, oh, this guy is definitely not just quick, but someone who is very smart, maybe in a book read kind of way. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely smart. He's definitely like super fast on his feet and everything. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, and it's a character that he's playing and stuff right now. Maybe he has like a favorite, like Gabriel Garcia Marquez book or whatever. But <laughs> I don't fucking know. But uh, like, that's not that's not the Enzo that I see. That's not that's not what I see beaming through on my television set. Yeah, no, no, that's not what you want to. That's not what you want to see. You want to see Enzo. also. Like I was at the pool a couple weeks ago and there was like kids playing wrestling and they were arguing over who got to be big cast. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember when they first debuted in NXT? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I do actually. I remember when Enzo came out first without cast before he had a beard and stuff and he was just a jobber. Yeah. But when they, I mean, when I don't think I remember that, but I remember when they were, I remember when they debuted that, and I was just like, oh, this sucks, you know? Like, I was oh like, no, I was all the way in. I was I, like, I was immediately into it. It took me a while. I have to admit, it took me a while in NXT, but now I think, like, you know, I, I'm not saying that this isn't going to be the biggest thing to happen, you know, since, you know, the since the road dog, but, uh, you know, I think I, you know, because I do, I really do, and I do believe in them. But I'm just, you know, just got to be the devil's advocate. <laughs> oh, you're talking shit. You're talking straight up. <laughs> you know, they both have wild like, hair. You know what vibe I'm getting from him right now, which is not the truth martini vibe. It's the like, this is he's like Stone Cold in '97 or something. Like they're just starting to be like, oh, oh wow, people, people like really like this guy. Like I can see him like, like. He's not a good enough wrestler, I don't think, to ever be like that. Or he's not a, you know, not an imposing enough presence. Like you need to have cast there with him. Mm-hmm. But like, but he's gonna, he's a big deal. He's gonna remain a big deal, I think, unless he like fucks up or gets hurt or whatever. And, and he can rap. He's got bars. Does he really? Yeah, like he uh, apparently at Wale Mania uh, last year, he was up on stage rapping. 
Oh my God. I would really so. enjoy that. And that's a I real Maybach music chain that he's that. got too. What's that? That Maybach music chain he's got is like a legit one. Who gave it to him? Uh, I forget the, oh my God, I can't believe I'm blanking his name, but it's one of Court's friends. Okay. Gave it to him at Wally Mania. I tell you, Wally Mania. Seems like a wild ass party. Yeah, yeah. That would be fun. It'd be fun to go to. Every time I go to a wild ass party, like I, I went to a, I spilled beer on Hannibal Burris over Pitchfork Festival weekend. Like, you can't have me at a wild ass party around <laughs> famous people. Like, that's a bad look. No, no. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I think he'd be, actually, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen that dude in forever. We played, we played two shows with him. With Hannibal? Ago. Yeah, like he played, we played a 12, that 12 hour show that we did. Okay. He, Nick Flanagan's like, hey, this guy I know wants to come do comedy at your show. Can you do it? And we're like, sure. And it was like, you know, very early on into, you know, his ascent. And mm-hmm. I don't think he was on really TV at that point at all. And he was killer, like unbelievably funny. And then we played with him again at all tomorrow's parties, kind of like a couple years into him blowing up. But you know, now he's obviously <laughs> considerably more popular even than then. Yeah. Now he's got to be like one of the biggest stand up comics in the country, right? Yeah. We've got that tour coming up. Uh, and I think that probably, yeah, I could imagine that being one of the highest grossing comedy tours this year. Like I, I can't think of too many other people that would be more popular than him. Um, yeah. Well, Russell Peters, Canada's home, Russell Peters, and uh, I don't know that shit at all. <laughs> no, I, it is extremely popular, and he is also a legit like MMA super fan and trains. So, what? yeah, nothing makes sense. The world doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> well, like you know, Al Bundy being like a big jujitsu guy. Who is uh, Ed O'Neill? Al Bundy. Really? Yeah. Wow, I wonder if he rolls with, like, Anthony Bourdain. I don't know. I've seen pictures of, like, him and Punk in, like, the Gracie gym. Wow. That's awesome that they both do Gracie Jiu-Jitsu because that is also what Harley Flanagan does. So that means there's a slim possibility that Ed O'Neill might be rolling with the bass player of the Cro-Mags somewhere. There's a fucking, like, Jiu-Jitsu Illuminati. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, man. Chris, I can't even wrap my mind around this shit. Yeah. Um, I think honestly, I'd like I I know people that do jujitsu, and they are like, it is, it is like it is the most meditative thing. Like you just think. I know stoners that do jujitsu and smoke weed, and just like it helps slow down everything for them when they're rolling. I tell you. Maybe I should do it. I should do it. Yeah, you should totally do it. You should get in there. I think I could, you know, like, uh, I start now. What's Punk, 38? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think he is 38 years old. I could be in the UFC at 38 then, maybe. No? You know, I interviewed uh, James Murphy from LCD Sound System, like, 10 years ago, probably. And, uh, and he was getting really, like, I mean, he's probably, what, 47 now so he would have been like 37 then yeah he was getting very into mma training at the time and was like tr- talking about trying to go pro <laughs> well to bring it back to pro wrestling uh i i uh i can't go into too many details but i recently uh talked to masada the deathmatch legend mm-hmm. 
in deathmatch wrestling. And, uh, I was like, what are you going to do when you retire? He's like, maybe go into MMA. Yeah. Yeah. We should, uh, we should try to book a James Murphy Masada. (laughs) Yes. That would be, holy shit. The internet would explode. And by internet, I mean my internet. Just us. Just us us. and several people who we know. Have you ever watched uh, that old fight that Mike Muir had online? No. <laughs> against, uh, what's his name? Uh, Woodhouse? It's against Woodhouse? Uh, oh, fuck, what's his uh, That's that pro skater? It's fucking gnarly. It's like the two of them so fighting. Mike Muir, the singer for Suicide, yeah. he's a pro skater in yeah. a vacation? Uh, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, Wood, Wood, is it Woodstock? Oh, fuck. Anyway. It is. I was it playing is. institutionalized for my for my four year old the other day. <laughs> I thought he'd really like it. He didn't care that much. It was one of the. Uh, it's like one of the first, you know, mixed martial arts bouts in America, I guess, because it's two guys, Simon Woodstock, yeah, versus Mike Muir, and it's like a boxing match, but they're not really boxing. They're just like, like fighting. Who won? Uh, oh, Simon Woodstock. Okay, well, yeah. he's a. Professional athlete. Well, yeah, yeah. And he, and he also, it's funny because like I had Lars, you know, speaking of amazing pro wrestling fan on my other podcast and he was, and he was talking about growing up with Simon and he said like, yeah, like Simon was like an insane fighter, like just an unbelievable fighter. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I didn't grow up with anybody who's an insane, unbelievable fighter. I did this one kid, Rob Murdoch. What's he doing now? I don't know. He was a strategist for the NDP, which is a left wing party in Canada at one point. But, and then I heard he was actually like a tailor, but I remember like in, you know, like in, you know, when you go into high school, like the, the grade tens would beat up the grade nines, sometimes initiation. So they did that with him. They brought him into a room, like all these grade tens. And like, next thing you know, it's like an action. We don't call them grade tens though. That sounds weird to me, but Uh, continue in Canada. So that's Canadian with bagged milk. Also, we have our milk in bags too, Tom. I don't know if you knew that. If you saw that, one I did not know that. Explain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to explain this bag of milk thing. It's like a bag of milk, and you put it in a jug, and then you take scissors and you cut the tip off one side, and that's how you have your milk in a bag. You buy it in four liters. You I buy four bags in another bag. I, I don't think I have the mental capacity to like wrestle with this image right now. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like you're telling me that like the sky is green up there. Like, okay. But so the great, the great tens would be up the great nine. Yeah. The great tens would be at the great nine. So they brought Rob in this room and next thing, like we're all standing outside. And next thing you know, it's like all these kids come running out, like busted up. And like, it was just like, holy shit. And then he comes out. And just like, it's just like he had just taken out like four people wow. like, in like a fight. And he had like a scar across his chest and he told me it was a katana blade. And I kind of <laughs> still believe, I believe him. <laughs> like as a 36 year old, I have, I haven't seen anything yet to dissuade me that that might be real. Any, anytime like ninja swords come into the equation, like. Shit's getting a little bit too real. I remember one time I was like walking down the street in Baltimore, like going back to the bus after my job. There was a dude just carrying a ninja sword, like playing with it, walking down the street. And I like, I gave that dude as wide a berth as I possibly could. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That was like the smartest move maybe you ever made. <laughs> I, uh, I remember when I was a kid, next door to me, they were building a house. 
and one of the construction workers had a set of nunchucks, and I asked for his autograph. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this shit has ventured pretty far afield from wrestling, and we've probably been going about an hour, right? Yeah, we've been going an hour. So should we call it for this week? Yeah, let's call it. All right. This has been a fun first episode, Tom. Thank you. Oh, yeah. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, I don't know if we'll be more on task or less on task in coming weeks, but we'll have uh, we'll have guests and stuff. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I hope everybody liked it. I hope uh, I hope we can maintain this uh, level of high quality audio content for your ears. And uh, we'll we'll see y'all next week. Absolutely. Oh, and also, do you want to tell them? Uh, do you want them to hit you up on Twitter and stuff? Oh yeah, let's let's plug all our shit. That's, yeah. It's good that we're doing this at the end, so everybody doesn't have to put like forward 15 seconds a bunch of times i know but wait till we start doing that wait till we get more pro and then everyone's gonna have to skip the intros <laughs> all right well yeah okay so i'm tom bryan once again you can follow me on twitter at tom bryan it's uh it's spelled funny but you'll figure it out i uh i you can find my stuff every day on stereogum.com i write a lot of things over there i write an action movie column for the av club that runs uh every two weeks uh, I, I go through the history of action movies year by year, picking one movie per year. The last one is Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm very proud of this column. Um, and, uh, yeah, and you'll find my stuff. You know, I freelance around here and there. Nobody's paying me to write about wrestling now. So if any editors want want some some flaming hot wrestling content, just get at me. I'm I'm ready to get paid to do that. Um, and how about you? You have significantly more things going on than I do. Uh, yeah, but all, all, all that social media stuff like Instagram, Snapchat, and, all, and, and of course, Twitter at Lefford Damien, uh, fucked up.cc because we're playing with some shows with the descendants. And that's right. You're coming down in this direction. Oh, yeah. We should do a live one. Yeah. If I can make it up to Maryland, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how far is Maryland from where you are? It was a couple hours. Okay. Okay. Not too, too bad. Like, not like, like, you know. Chicago to to Philadelphia yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. Nothing like that. Um uh, so uh and yeah, like so hit me up on that stuff and then uh subscribe to this for the next little while. We're gonna eventually have its own channel, but if you subscribe to this, you'll be kept uh, up to date about this podcast when we're gonna be dropping clobbering time for the next little bit until we have the clobbering time channel, of course. And uh uh oh yeah, uh, go over to vice.com and read my Conan interview. I interviewed Conan. From uh, you know AAA and and WCW and everybody knows who Conan is. That's a good interview. That, uh, thank you. You should do that. Um, and yeah, uh, thanks for listening, everybody.